0: I thank Abu Namina uh, uh, for inviting me and uh, it's a blessing for me to be here with all of you and the fathers and of course His Grace Bishop uh, Abraham. Uh, Today, uh, if you've caught (coughs) the readings, uh, it was about the preparedness for the Kingdom of Heaven and there's a reason for that. Uh, If you followed the readings from the first hour, it was speaking about the banquet where uh, the master had a banquet and invited people to come. And then people uh, started making excuses for not coming. And then he said, okay, go out and bring everybody in, the righteous and the unrighteous. And he came and he went into the banquet and it says the master came into the banquet and then he found the guy not dressed appropriately and he said, take him out do you know that saint john chrysostom comments about that and says that master is the lord jesus christ and the banquet is the liturgy that we pray and we have to remember that we are standing in front of god when we're in church and god is not passive he doesn't sit on his throne in the altar and then leaves us by ourselves but indeed comes and walks through, and... Um, so, uh, the, the host, the Lord, will come into the church during the liturgy, and he will check on each and every one of us. That's what St. John Chrysostom said. And that's why we have to be dressed appropriately. We have to behave appropriately. And we stand in reverence and we're not distracted. Lest we be found like the one that was caught without the proper clothing. And we know what happened to him. And then in the second gospel, you heard about uh, the second coming and not knowing when it is. The third gospel is about the five... uh, Uh, foolish virgins and uh, five wise and notice the foolish ones come first because always the foolish might be like advanced but the spiritual has some grounding and reasoning and they don't know when the master is coming or the groom is coming so some are ready some are not and then the following gospel the ninth hour speaks about the children of the killers of the prophets, how they build the the altar for the Lord, but they don't know what they're doing. And then the last gospel you heard was about, uh, from the gospel of St. John, and uh, it was about what, does anybody remember? It was the last one, that's why I don't mind asking. Uh, It's about the kingdom of heaven Uh, The Lord, they're asking, is Christ going to come? And this is like the final time. And uh, uh, Pharisees or the Jews and the the, uh, high priest said, if he comes, let us know. And probably that's why Judas obliged and let them know. So all of this is in preparation for tomorrow. Tomorrow is the betrayal of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we fast during the year on Wednesdays. Because the agreement to deliver the Lord was on Wednesday. He didn't deliver him physically. Of course, he agreed to receive 30 pieces of silver. <coughs> and then uh, he uh, told them what the sign was going to be. The one I kiss is going to be the one, and so on and so forth. So I want you to follow along with me for um, a little bit of contemplation on the necessity of believing in god believing in god believing in god is different from trusting in god so do you believe and trust in god or do you just believe in god but then you live accord not according to that faith because what drove judas to betray the lord what imagine if you have you know a group of friends and then two Uh, people not friends conspire against you to embarrass you to play a really bad practical joke on you but then you find one of your friends participated with them that's the betrayal and the betrayal is exceedingly bad when it's not just a practical joke they're going to kill you that's what Judas did, Judas was one of the twelve. And then he conspired with the enemies of Christ to deliver him. So it's kind of like you know if um, Germany and Italy decided to attack the United States, that's called you know war, and you have enemies. But for an American citizen to conspire with the German or the Italians to uh, attack against their own country, so people who um, cooperate with enemies of our country and come back and hit us with uh, uh, explosives and bombs and all of that <coughs> of course he heard about what happened in Sri Lanka uh, Sri Lanka and we pray for the uh, people there uh, over 300 dead and 500 injured uh, people were just praying Easter mass they weren't doing anything evil anything bad but this is a betrayal. This is what I want you to keep in mind as we go through this. What would cause one of your friends to turn on you? You know? I, I accept the answer, well, maybe I did something bad, and uh, they're really angry and upset and retaliating. But did the Lord do anything back to Judas? Never. Nope. Never. What if you didn't do anything to your friend, and your friend on their own turned against you the child of God. The sons and daughters of God. What what would cause someone to turn against you? Uh, I can't come up with answers other than Judas thought it was all a hoax. There's no way Judas believed in the kingdom of heaven. And in the miracles and the teachings of Christ. You know, some wonder how can he watch the miracles and not be affected like by it. Sometimes, you know, you can be sitting in your car and you don't even notice the light turn from red to green, right? You're distracted with something. Well, if you're distracted during the teachings or the prayers, you're going to miss a lot of things. So I want to take you to uh, go briefly over the events that caused the name of this week to be the week of Pascha. Pascha means Passover, and you all know the events of the Passover in the book of Exodus. That required tremendous faith in God. You had to believe in God in order for this to happen. We begin uh, the story begins. By the way, if you are following the prophecies on Wednesdays from the beginning of week one of the Great Lent. It starts with Exodus 2 and ends with Exodus 11 on week 6. It's natural to go into Exodus 12, which is the sacrificial lamb, the the Passover itself. It would make sense to go into it in the seventh week, but it doesn't. The church put it on the 11th hour of Good Friday. That is the sacrifice that was pointing to Christ, the Passover lamb. So it's worthy to go over this these events and see what we can learn from them exodus 2 1 and 2 now a man of the house of levi went and took as wife a daughter of levi so the woman conceived and bore a son incredible that this is the genealogy and the birth story of moses a man of the house of levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi, no names, nothing. But this is going to be a great figure in history. So what? Uh, there is a reason for this. No name for the father of, or the mother, and no name of the baby yet. The baby is named after three years, when you know the story. His sister told uh, uh, the Pharaoh's daughter that uh, she knows someone that can give uh, a nursing to the baby so the child was miraculously saved by the daughter of the very man who ordered the killing of the male born from the jews and by the way that daughter has no name either (laughs) the daughter of pharaoh do we know her name it's not mentioned in the scripture according to the jewish tradition they have a name for her but it's just like the daughter of god because she saved she helped save moses so this woman, Pharaoh's daughter, uh, seemed to have had great and high morals. If it was up to her dad, this baby that she found in the river should die. Because it's very clear, it says, and she saw that the baby was a Jew. There was no ambiguity about it. This was a Jewish baby. And Jewish male were supposed to be killed. So she found the baby, the baby should have been slaughtered or killed Uh, But she saves him. And this is a miracle of saving Moses. And all the heroes are women. Moses' mother. The Pharaoh's daughter. Moses' sister. The midwives that would not kill the the baby according. So the Bible respects women highly. The Bible never casts women in, in like a second degree like some people uh, if you read like the Corinthians or some of the teachings from Saint Paul uh, if you understand it with wisdom the the gospel offers great respect for uh, women so the reason for all of this my beloved no name no mentioning it doesn't say that uh, the man fell in love with the woman and he had a beautiful child Uh, the point was it was God who was going to lead them out of Egypt Not Moses. And in the end, God wanted to make sure that the people knew that. Because to the last breath, Moses had to be buried by God, lest the people would worship him. So even though God has taken all these precautionary measures, he still has to be careful. Because people sometimes don't think beyond what they see. So they don't have faith in God, they have faith in man. So there's no miracle associated with Moses' birth and all this effort is to prevent the Israelites from worshiping Moses or taking his body as uh, a worship symbol. We have many examples of such things. Saint Paul, for example, the scripture doesn't record Saint Saint Paul's birth and uh, his um, growing up. It just talks about his conversion. He was really bad as Saul against Christians, but he converted on the road to Damascus and became a pillar of Christianity because it was God who was working through him. It wasn't the individual. And we have the story of St. Paula. We know he was in the desert for 90 years before seeing anyone. And even St. Anthony was there for 60 years until the two met without seeing anybody. We still, we don't know lot about their upbringing or their parents well according to tradition we do some but the idea is God is working through us so Moses will lead his people and God will accept that because Moses fights evil he can't stand by and see evil perpetrated and doesn't do anything about it you know the first story before he saw the burning bush there were three stories the first one The Egyptian is uh, beating the Jew who was a slave at the time. So what does Moses do? He kills the Egyptian. He can't stand for evil. And then the second event was when two Israelites were fighting one another. Bless you. The next day. And then he comes to uh, uh, defend uh, the victim. And then the perpetrator doesn't answer to the question. He says, are you going to kill me too? So Moses doesn't care if it's Egyptian on uh, Israelite, two Israelites, or even if they're two non-Jewish people. Because the third story is about the the daughters of Jethro, uh, who later becomes his father-in-law. They were not Jewish. And then the shepherds that came and bothered the girls, they were not Jewish. So here's an example of two non-Jewish. Moses just cannot stand for evil. And that's why God chooses him. And he says, this is going to work. He's going to be a good leader. And also, very importantly, Moses was not raised with a slave mentality. Because he is not submissive. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. He had a lot of control and a lot of uh, power. So he doesn't think like, uh, in a verse, by the way, where it says, he looked and there was no man around... Uh, Some interpretation says he didn't see anyone to stand up to be a man and defend the defenseless slave. Because if a bunch of slaves are walking by, they're never going to think to rise against their their masters. But Moses doesn't have that mentality. And Moses will command the respect of the, the people because he was indeed living the rich life. But he gave it all up for his own kind. So he runs away from Egypt and he goes into the desert. I'm saying all of this because, look at the, um, the incremental details that God is preparing this great leader. And this is all for our own so we can have faith in God. And Moses too. Because Moses was brought up away from his home, but the first three years he was under his mother's care. So God is working through man to save man. If we don't stop and look as Moses did when the burning bush came, uh, then we wouldn't uh, be able to see what God is teaching us. When the burning bush uh, happened, it says that Moses was walking by, and then there's a dried bush, and there's a fire inside it. And by all logic, this thing should be on fire. But it did not burn. As we say in the Nakiah in the praise. The fire did not consume it. So Moses is walking by, and he looks and says, let me see, literally, he turns and he says, let me see. And then God talks to him. And this is the small gesture that you do to make, to pronounce Your decision to have faith. Because things can be happening in front of you all the time. Look at what's happening this Holy Week. Yet some people may not even be fasting. God forbid none of you would be one of these people. But look at what God is doing for us. And the church is here gathered to remember this great work from God. But if we don't pay attention, we might miss it. Uh, Christ is working during this week and this Holy Week. And the church provides maximum opportunity for each one to turn and look at the work of God and what God is doing for us. The ultimate purpose of the long songs and the, the beautiful Coptic hymn is for you to sit and contemplate on that song. You just have like two verses or three verses. And you just sit and meditate. What does it mean, Lord, to have me come under your wing until evil passes what does that mean that was the last song that we read in the 11th hour what does it even mean if I come to you really I can just stand close to you and then all tribulations and temptations will pass and then I can be saved and I don't have to worry about bad habits or bad thoughts or this or that yes that's what the song says so one other important thing to think about, and that is the, the, the practice of remembering. Why do we do this, and why must we remember? In Exodus 2.24, so God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now God is going to rise and lead the people out of Egypt. The word remembered here, so God heard their groaning and God remembered. It doesn't mean that God forgot about them and then now remembers. If you attended the the Pascha this morning, uh, it was the the story about uh, the great flood. It says, it describes everything and how to build the ark and everything and God put um, Noah and his wife and his children, his sons, three sons and the three wives, and all the animals and the food and the provision, and God closes the door and 150 days go by with the water rising, and then God remembered Noah. Really? You think God forgot about Noah in the middle of all of this? There's no way. Excellent. The whole point of the story is how God delivered Noah out of A land filled with uh, evil and sin. So for sure the word remember here does not mean someone who forgot and now remembers. Because keep in mind God is spirit. He doesn't have a body. So God's way is different from our ways. But to bring it closer to us, it's like someone forgot something and remembered. So now is the time God will act remembering here signals it is now the time for God to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt in the book of Exodus again chapter 10 to jump about from 2 to 10 uh, God told Moses something very important and that you may tell in the hearing of your children and your children's children in how many things I mocked the Egyptians and my wonders I wrote among them And you shall know I am the Lord. God is literally telling Moses, remember to tell the children so they remember what I did for you. Is it natural to forget? Yes. Forget something as big as um, coming out of Egypt. Oh, just read, keep reading Exodus how soon did the people rise and grumble against moses and against god after the biggest com- uh, miracle of parting the red sea it wasn't long and they were complaining and he said we want to go back we miss the food uh, where are we going to eat what are we so the miracle had just happened but it didn't have a long lasting effect and a side point that's why god doesn't work through miracles as as the primary Thing. The primary thing is the laws of nature. Nature has laws and those laws have to be so fixed that they are not touchable. Think about electricity if sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know? There is no law of uh, electricity. There's no like ohm and resistors and all of that stuff and. Uh, waves and uh, no 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 sometimes it's up sometimes it's down because miracles are happening all the time imagine if gravity was not a constant you know but see a miracle is a suspension of the natural law so if God suspended all the natural laws all the time to give everybody a miracle because everyone is asking for a miracle that miracle is going to be forgotten two weeks later and then we're going to be asking for another miracle and then when God heals some person and other persons, why not me, God? Why you heal them? Why not me? But that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. It's about what the, the salvation, the plan of salvation. God is leading us out of this world, and he's preparing a place for us, and we live according to those commandments. Does God perform miracles? Absolutely. We are the Orthodox Church. We believe in miracles. But miracles have to have a purpose, as his eminence, Metropolitan Sarpio always teaches. So without remembering, then there will be, um, uh, there is no gratitude, no wisdom, and no faith. Without remembering, there is no chance to remember the good deeds. Remember the friend who may have betrayed one, and then we would try to figure it out. It's possible that this betrayer, betrayer forgot about all the good deeds that were done. If you forget, then you're not going to remember to be grateful and to give thanks. Uh, God told Joshua to, make, to take stones from the bottom of the river when they crossed as well. And he said, display them for your children so they remember what God did for you. And even in Passover, in a Jewish home, you know what they do? They sit around and they have four wines, four cups of wine, and they have the Passover meal. But before they eat, they have to retell the story of the exodus of the children out of Israel. And some say that this is also a teaching of postponing gratification. So imagine if you're hungry and you sit down and there's like a feast in front of you, And you can't touch it for an hour and a half until the story of the exodus from Egypt is finished and then you eat. And you should be thankful. Our prayers are like our Father art in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the food. You know, you just eat. But it's a form of postponing gratification. So that was to keep the memory, the remembering. It's such uh, an important concept that God is trying to, to give us. So uh, gratitude uh, takes effort and resentment is effortless. Gratitude takes an effort to be thankful, to be grateful, to remember the good deeds. It's very easy to be resentful. It doesn't take effort at all. And uh, in keeping with what happened in the past, then you have wisdom. It's the link between generation to generation to generation what happens to a country when it forgets its past you know if we don't learn from history and we repeat the mistakes and we start all over again from fresh which is very saddening I hope none of you are subscribing to this kind of thought you know for six thousand years or ten thousand years there was something called family unit and the family was created by God and God created Adam and Eve and Adam took on Eve to be his wife and he had children. The family unit is a sustainer of civilizations. So when we mess with this family unit and say, no, 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 who said? Who said it has to be a man and a woman? Who said there has to be a marriage? Who said kids have to grow up in a home with two parents? No, 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 no we're, we're uh, working against wisdom. We're working against what has worked for thousands of years and we're stepping into territory, we have no idea what the ramification of it is in 100 years or 200 years. Because it never happened in the history of mankind that a marriage could be defined other than a man and a woman. Only in our times. So it takes wisdom for even countries to succeed, to grow. Imagine on a personal level. And finally, for the faith, um, if we have remembrance, we have uh, gratitude, we have wisdom, and we have faith. If we have uh, remembrance, the Lord says, do this in remembrance of me when we're talking about the great communion. But here also, I have to stop and make sure you understand, we take the real body and the real blood of our lord and savior Jesus Christ it's not a remembrance it's not a symbol it's not a type it's the actual body and blood of the lord Jesus Christ because john 6:53 on it says this is my real body and this is my real blood and then some people found it very hard to accept john 6:66 6, very easy to remember Many people left Christ, 666. John chapter 6, verse 66. And many people turned away from him. Christ didn't run after them and say, No, 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 you misunderstood. It's not real body and real blood. Come back, come back. He turned to his disciples in 67 and says, Do you also want to go? That's, that's what I have. That's the teaching I have. It's not up for vote. Uh, it's his real body and we need the real body. If you eat his body and drink his blood, you will abide in him and he will abide in you and you will have the everlasting life. Without this, there is no way. I don't know what God would do with people who do not have this in um, uh, their belief. So remembrance is equals to actual plus memory of what had happened the first time. So when he said, do this in remembrance of me, then we are gathered. We celebrate the liturgy and we remember the Great Thursday, Monday, Thursday, when the Lord instituted the the um, uh, mystery of mysteries, Holy Communion. That's enough for. Uh, there are a lot. There's so much to say about uh, uh, remembrance and communion, but the Lord is trying to give us uh, an Orthodox concept that we have to keep in mind the teachings of the fathers and uh, we are very fortunate that the fathers of the church remembered what christ gave to the disciples that's all we work with what christ gave to the disciples that's the teachings that those are the teachings we have in the orthodox church so finally finally um, why would god allow the children of israel to suffer for such a long time 400 years was the time you know at the time of the death of uh, jacob joseph requested a permission from pharaoh to allow him to leave egypt take his father with them and take people um, uh, along with them go bury his father and come back to egypt and you know what pharaoh said sure no problem (laughs) What did the last Pharaoh say when Moses went to him and says, uh, we go to the desert for three days. We're going to be gone a week. We're going to walk three days out. We're going to offer sacrifice. And we're going to walk those three days back. So give us a week off. And he wouldn't. He said no. And then he increased the suffering of the, the Jewish people. And uh, the Israelites came to Moses and Aaron and said, what have you done? Now that we had an 8 hour shift per day, now we have a 16 hour shift. Why did you do this to us? They are clueless of God's plan uh, um, and what God is planning for them. So our own Lord suffered and we are here because of his suffering. So why does God allow suffering? Um uh, this entire uh, article, by the way, was uh, the, the sermon, was inspired by a book written by uh, a great thinker. His name is Dennis Prager. And he says, if God always intervened to stop evil, hum- human beings would not have free will. We would all be robots. If every time God is going to intervene, then we have no free will. Sometimes this free will infringes on the rights of others God will take care of the others God will comfort those souls the hundred and forty four thousand children that were slaughtered uh, By Herod at the time of the birth of Christ. They will be rewarded. They're martyrs But Herod is gonna pay the price God will deal with him so sometimes even if God allows suffering Uh, it looks from the outside for us, it's not fair. But here's a teaching by St. John Chrysostom. He said, if you knew the depth of God, you would have to be God. If you wanna know why God does something, you have to be God because God is unlimited. And no limited creation can get into the depth of who God is and come out and say oh yeah that's why he did it we can't do that here on earth but maybe when we go to heaven God can explain to us why everything was so God may allow suffering for a little bit because uh, uh, he respects our free choice and he has the ultimate justice in the end and if we knew why we would have to be God literally to know why So that brings me to the crucial point and the final point and that is believing in God is a choice. Did you know that? You choose to believe in God or not. It's not going to come upon you. You're not going to be praying really hard and you know, making matanyas and fasting 55 days and then you become a believer. You make a decision to believe in God much like um uh the decisions you make to go to college or to buy a car or to wear clothes or to be happy or to be a serious student to be a cheater it's a decision that you decide that you're gonna do this no one forces it on you it's it's in you and you say i'm gonna decide that's why saint john chrysostom says forgiveness is real easy always during Holy Week and the High Holidays we hope that there are no two brothers and sisters in the Lord would not be speaking to each other or friends not talking to each other God forbid we um, not not especially during this time because um Saint John Chrysostom says it's a simple a simple decision in your heart you want to forgive someone you decide to forgive them nothing is needed no hard work is involved you don't have to go to the gym for 21 days and burn off you know uh, 56 pounds in order to be able to approach uh, someone and it's easy you, you, there is no hard work involved in Exodus 3 then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush so he saw the bush burning with fire but the bush was not consumed so Moses said I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not consumed when therefore the lord saw him turn aside to look so moses first turned and then god saw that he turned then he said here i am so he said do not come any closer take your sandals off your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground so when you decide to believe god turns to you and says here I am. So who initiates? You it, uh, let, let me take you back to the betrayal. Imagine you have a friend who betrayed you. Betrayed you real bad. And now that friend wants to come back. Who brings you two back together? In the case of God and Judas. It is God that would bring him back. So God is in the business of reconciling with us. He wants us to be reconciled on him. But we have to first make the choice. So what are the consequences if we don't believe in God? It's, uh, when you think about it, because of the sake of the time, I don't want to get into it. But it it would be a chaotic world. World without order, without morals. Because everybody will be making up the laws. Who said murder is bad? Why is murder bad? It's in the Ten Commandments, that's why we say it's bad. But if you don't believe in the Ten Commandments, why would you say it's bad? And if you don't believe in God, then you don't believe in anything that is, um, uh, you only believe in materialistic things. Because the, the immaterial doesn't exist for you. The idea of God is the first time it introduced to humanity that you think beyond the flesh. There's a concept called God. And he is unseen so you start thinking of the unseen world the spiritual world but if God doesn't exist then this world doesn't exist then only what exists is matter that came out of the Big Bang Theory or the monkeys that became human then there's no such thing as love because love is an emotion it's not tangible you can't touch it that's something beyond the physical so if you don't believe in God because you can't fathom an unseen world then you will be stuck with only uh, matter only uh, whatever makes up the body and those are that's the interaction that you have within that body and bodies to other bodies then there's no mind. The mind what is that? you have a brain and the brain cells are this way you have the right side of the brain the left side of the brain but mind where is that? See all of these things are just so grand that if you don't believe in god these would, would not exist and by the way if god doesn't exist then the eve and then the devil doesn't exist right so there's no evil because we believe that evil comes from the devil so where would evil come from wouldn't you call what happened in sri lanka on sunday evil where did that evil come from you know it's amazing that the devil is fighting so hard to make people believe that God doesn't exist while all along trying to make himself seem to not exist you know but you have to be smarter than that you have to be wiser than that look at the rights we have in the church and in Holy Week and all of this is trying to get us to uh, contemplate deeper and leave the world for a week, leave it behind, and try to think about the ultimately important things. Bringing God into our lives takes effort just like anything else. So trust in God and believe in God to, um, in the beginning I started out by saying there's a difference between just believing in God or believing in God and trust in God. What reveals your condition is the way you live. Do you live in a way that you trust in God? Or do you just live and say, oh yeah, there's God. Yeah, he's over there on Mission Boulevard at that church. I'll go see him. Or do you trust in God when you have exams, when you have tribulations, when you have a war of uh, thoughts attacking you? Do you trust in God? Glory be to God forever. Thank you.